It's Saturday, uh, sometime near the end of the year, and this is The Sounding Board. I'm Josh, and and we're coming to you now with some end-of-the-year content. Our main end of the year list and our main end of the year discussion probably won't show up until next week, but in the in the interim, in the time being, we've decided to get together with some of our, our contributors for this year and see what they had to what they had to say. With me today is KEXP Bordop. Uh Bordop DJ and uh, as of beginning of this month, assistant to the morning show, Reeves Richards. That's, Reeves Richards. There you go. DJ Reeves is uh my KXP official name I guess but uh that's those are the many hats that I wear at KEXP but that's that's kind of what I do right now. Yeah, we had you on earlier this year to talk about uh Black Sabbath. That's in, right. In one of our one of the the episodes I use to promote the show and tell people they should listen to if they want to kind of know what we're all about. So, we're we're super excited to have you back. Thank and, you. Yeah, let's Let's well, let's talk a little bit about KEXP before we get started because sure. you've got an official identity and official job. Yeah, and, and we're here to so official. I have an email signature now, man. Oh, do you? Oh, man. Oh. I have an email signature, which means I am official. Official, as far you, as I'm concerned. You know, I I've been with my current company for three years. Still don't have a business card. My girlfriend got hired like six weeks ago. Has a business card. See, that just means that your company doesn't have its stuff together, right? It's messed up. <laughs> it's messed up. I don't I don't know what 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 that's all about. So yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you last time we talked to you, you were you were a volunteer or you were a fill. Last, How did so that work? Last time we talked, I was I was a fill in DJ and board op, which means that uh, when when somebody got sick at the station that was a DJ and needed a fill in, especially for the overnights, um, which because you know uh, even though it's twenty four hour music, we're still human, and so someone has to to, to cover for all those twenty four hours when someone gets sick. Or if they have something else going on, it doesn't always have to be that. Um, I would come in and fill in for them. Um, and board hopping is basically uh, anytime KXP has a live in studio, you need someone to manage the DJ board while the DJ interviews the band. And so I would basically that's that's what I would do. And I would also help transition and count down songs to make the transition into the live in studio easier. So that that's what I was before, and um, I got promoted. Um, I am right now uh, an assistant for the uh, the morning show with John Richards, so I help John behind the scenes. He's even let me speak on air a couple of times during the morning show, but you know, obviously not the main feature because that's him. But uh, that's that's been what my life has been going like right now. I've been uh, been helping out with that, and it's really exciting. And I'm kind of just excited for the next year just to see where where this goes from here. Yeah, it, it's kind of kind of exploded for you because yeah. last time we we talked it was you were you were in there a couple hours a week. Now yeah. it sounds like you are constantly busy. And, yeah. and beyond all that, it's, it's it's 40 hours a week. It's a full-time job. Yeah, it's it's full-time um and you're you're doing some sort of KEXP just launched uh an Iceland program, they, didn't they? It wasn't an Iceland program. Um so what uh, KXP sometimes does, and they, they've been going to Iceland now every single year for the past couple years at least, and what they do is that they go to Iceland and they broadcast live from Iceland Airwaves, which is um, the, festi- the music festival in Reykjavik, and uh, they record bands live um, on audio and recently with video as well, and you've been able to, like, we've been able to figure out live streaming, and we've been able to stream live video from Iceland uh, through KEXP and whatnot, and it and I was board hopping for that also in November after our last uh, our last recording, which was for the uh, the Black Sabbath stuff. So, 
I work a nine to five. Yes. What are you, what is what is that like for you? What what is it like having to to board up for a show going on in Iceland from Seattle? So, it starts during the morning show. So it starts at six a.m. in the morning, and so I'm at KEXP at around five, and I stay there until the broadcast is over at two p.m. So, uh, yeah, uh, that that's. Um, that was that was interesting. Uh, so it's during so when we broadcast live from Iceland because of the time difference, we're able to start. I mean, over there it's at a normal hour. I think they're like seven hours ahead, and I don't have time to do the math right now, nor the capacity, because uh, I'm not good at it. But it uh, so starting at like uh, at six a.m. in the morning for KEXP in Seattle broadcasting live is very different for them so they're basically broadcasting in the middle of the afternoon over there while i'm in seattle helping out with that but uh yeah that was that was a lot of fun i got to listen to a lot of really interesting bands um from iceland as well as also from the united states so it was great yeah that sounds that sounds awesome And so did all the kxb listeners obviously this isn't just me sitting alone in a booth just listening to cool live music wait 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 wait, wait. this was this was during a live broadcast on kxp are are you saying that kxp has a listenership yes yes it does people still listen to public radio people still listen to public radio people not only listen to public radio they care a lot about public radio and it's awesome (laughs) oh man i might i might have to absolutely great like i mean it's KXB just recently moved to a new home, which was a nice little ball of stress. A good little ball of stress, but a ball of stress nonetheless. <laughs> like, nonetheless. And it was it was so... It's it's amazing to see how supportive people are of uh, of public radio, especially in Seattle. Um, I know that it's probably not the same throughout all of the United States, but it's really great that Seattle is, is so supportive of things like KEXP and that, you know, we're able to, to move in and build a new home. And we've, it's still got to get built, but it wouldn't... The process of it wouldn't even begin to happen if it wasn't for the support of Seattle. Yeah, no, Seattle's Seattle is a is a great place for music in general. I mean, yeah. you, you've got a city that is that is ex- sort of extremely modern in in its its views on on the arts and on social issues, and it's also located in a, way, in, in a place where live shows either you know tours start or end here because like tours of the North American continent will either start or end in Seattle because it's so easy to. To go across uh, to to other locations from here, mm-hmm. it's a it's a really cool spot for yeah. that for sure. You're able you're able to hit up places like Portland and Vancouver, and either in in Portland, Vancouver, or Seattle. Very like it's very convenient to either start or end your tour there before you make your way across the United States. So it's a convenience location, but it's also just a community built around the fact that it loves live music mm-hmm. and it loves oh, good yeah. live music and it loves good live music of all genres. Like if there's if there's a genre of music you like and enjoy, there's going to be a community of other people like that in Seattle that enjoy and like that that style of music or and, all styles of music as well. It bleeds over, and there will be venues that cater to anything. Like, oh yeah, just about anything. You can you can catch, all, like dude, I don't know, man. I saw I saw Dark Side at Numos last yeah. year, and then um, I I saw like. Uh, symbols eat guitars and yep. and the mountain goats yep. and then there have been tons of black metal shows oh yeah it's just seattle's <laughs> like it's a culture hotspot it is it's got that reputation for a reason it's got that reputation for a reason for sure so it's it's great it's it's definitely the spot to be if if you're going to be at a place like kxp so oh yeah and kxp also is not only just a part of that and promotes it but 
it's you know it definitely also feeds off of it as well it's it's a very symbiotic relationship oh yeah i can i can imagine mm-hmm. Well, let's let's get started. Um, sure. I sent you a bunch of categories, and you I, did, and I, I had to pare it down because uh, I was like, "That is way too much." Right. <laughs> I, I sent you a bunch of categories, and I said, "If you have any other categories you want to talk about, go ahead and make them up." Um, and you sent me back a list of it looks like we've got six categories that we're going to talk about today. Woo! Most of them are going to be pretty straightforward. Most yeah. of them will will want your a, your typical sort of end of the year fair. Yeah. kind of thing, but also some other stuff in there that's that's also going to be really great. Yeah, and, and it's going to be super fun. Most of these will either want uh, just a winner or a winner and a runner-up. Okay. Uh, to just to, because I, I feel like if we often if you just have a winner you kind of like, you kind of lose out on someone's, uh, their, the gestalt of what they listen yeah. to, right? Um, and and like it might seem super inconsistent when your best song is is for example, a completely different genre than your best album. Yeah. So, spoilers, or yeah. at least at least at least a bit of a tease. Yeah. Uh, um, so most of these will will just be a winner and a runner up or two if you've got them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, album of the year, song of the year, we're going to be looking for a list of five, and we're okay. going to want them to be ordered. Um, there we go. Because they're they're the big guns. They're they're when it gets intense. Yeah. Um, the stuff that you're really, really passionate about. Yeah, kind of thing. And, and and you listen to a lot of different stuff uh, that I never touch. So you okay. may have to, as we go, explain the appeal of some of these things to me. That's 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 a part of the job of being a KXP DJ. So I'm that's you're in my my wheelhouse right now. So I fantastic. No All that. right, in the wheelhouse, the drive the boat. I don't I don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> uh, let's start with our first category. Um, go for and it. and this one. This is an interesting category because it can go a lot of different directions. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I I think that your response to this category, your winner, may be very different than uh, than the sounding board's official <laughs> winner. Sure. Uh, both in content and in tone. Uh, our first major category is going to be music news of the year. Mm-hmm. And that can, that can mean a lot of things. Yes, yes it could. It could be a lot of... Either just funny or entertaining things, or at least in my case, things that are terribly depressing but still very important. Um, yeah. Which uh, we'll just I let's just uh, I guess jump right into it. Um, my my music news of the year um, was just a lot of the things that I talk about and will talk about for for a lot of my end of the year stuff is is things that go beyond just it being music and it becoming something that uh, crosses over either in just world news events or just United States news events. And some of it is just focus on good quality music as well. But for Music News of the Year for me, just because it it happened while I was at work at KEXP and I, I had to follow it as a part of my job uh, in horror was just the uh, the terrorist attacks in Paris. The Bataclan. Um, and, and at the Bataclan Theater. And that was a really intense and sad day at KEXP and just around the world in general but if you are a let's just say like a music nerd quote unquote like you you follow you follow the websites that support music news you follow blogs you follow some sort of genre of music or anything like that when something like that happens at a venue like the Bataclan which I mean every description that I heard of the Bataclan theater made it sound no different from you know for at least for Seattle Listeners or people from Seattle, like any of the STG venues yeah. here. Oh yeah. Um, it you know it was a, a former sort of vaudevillian theater that got transformed into a music venue, 
and that's the three STG venues in Seattle outside of the Paramount, but, you know, including the Paramount, the Moore, and the Neptune Theater, those all used to be old-style theaters that were converted into music venues. And so to think of something that terrible and that horrifying happening in a location in Seattle, but more importantly, something like that in another place was absolutely horrifying. Oh, my God. And, I mean, just everything that came out afterwards about just the personal stories that you heard Mm -hmm. about going to that show and and everything along those lines was uh, just... It it really it really hit home and it just it really brought home like just the the worst feelings you could possibly have about those kind of something that terrible like you never you never expect that to happen at at a show. Oh yeah, and and, and beyond that, for for me, you know, I had I had seen that band. I'd seen the Eagles exactly. of Death Metal like what a month and a half. Yeah, two months that was earlier? during their tour. They stopped by in Seattle. I think they were at the Showbox Soto, right? Uh, no, they were at the Showbox downtown. They were at the Showbox um, downtown. So and, they were at, at Showbox at the market, which is yeah, like it's just and, the, and for a band like that, like when I saw them, I was blown away by how up their energy was and how fantastically engaging and amazing they were to watch and and I took my my girlfriend who had never really gotten too into them like she liked their stuff but never yeah. gotten into them and and we went to it together and she just came away blown away by by the energy of Jesse Hughes and how fun that band was yeah and then the interview. Uh, did you see the the, the video interview with with it, Vice? With Vice. Yeah that that also that did not help. That was with me at all when it came to terms of of coping with with what happened over there. Yeah, and it's just. I mean, since, especially since I knew that you were there, like it's especially when you work in in KEXP or if, if you're just a part of some sort of music scene like that, you know people that would be going to shows like that. Oh yeah, would be going to go see somebody like Eagles of Death Metal, and it's yeah. just that that amount of death happening around something that we hold sacred is just mm-hmm. and was just, really that was that was why it was my music item of the year. It's just yeah. how how can you know like of all the the great things that happened and all the sad things that something that profound happening uh, at a place that um, really affects just music in general was was why it it, it had to be it. And it's it's just it's really sad. And I the Vice interview, if you haven't seen it, watch it. And watching Jesse Hughes just struggle through that entire interview is uh, is really heartbreaking. Um, but I I think it's something that if you if even if you're not a fan of Eagles of Death Metal, if you're just a fan of music, you should watch it because you get to see from a performer's perspective if something terrible like that happens, what what they go through. And yeah. really, all I hope oh, for yeah. is that. Uh, Anybody that lost somebody during those attacks and the band, and I hope everybody's able to at least make it out okay. Yeah. They might not be okay right now, but that they can just – that they can they can make it out just fine. That's that's my only wish from it. <laughs> that, and, that life will, will return to, yeah, to some sense of normalcy. Will return to some sense of normalcy. And it won't it won't be completely normal because I don't know if, if something like that – if it happens to you, it can. But – yeah, what our 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 hearts go out to exactly anyone who's involved yeah. with that, or anyone who knew anyone who's involved with that. Exactly, because, my God, yeah. that was just for me. Like for me, as someone who was in Seattle, so far away, I listened to that and I knew that that you know, had I been in Paris, I, I would have been there. Had yeah. almost anyone that I know, or, same, like they would have been there. Any, yeah, a and, lot of our friends would have been at that show, and so we can only imagine if you're actually in Paris, how many 
of your and friends, family, and yeah, family. friends and family members that were there that you, know, you lost, and so it just it's really it's a difficult thing to ponder and to to think about. But it really, I mean, if it, that has to be sort of the the main piece of music news for me from this year. I don't really think there's anything else I could even top it. Just in in terms of importance, just in 100%. terms of importance, so. 100 percent so that's that's my music news item of the year that's for sure <sighs> and uh yeah that's you know when i when i suggested <sighs> this category i, I you thought it was going to be jokey didn't you? oh yeah you yeah thought i thought we would we would be talking about and here i am about the wu-tang bringing it, bringing it down yeah and yeah that we would be talking about uh the wu-tang selling of their album or just any other sort of uh the some snarky that, thing that noel, yeah, noel was, gallagher said yeah it was like, um the Mark Kozalek war on drugs beef thing also happened this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah, I think it did. I think yeah, it did. that happened this year. So something something dumb like that. But I I have no interest. Yeah, in, not in not those in, in those of... trifle in those trifle things, especially when something like that happens. So not in light um, of the Bataclan. Yeah, not um, in light of of Bataclan stuff. Um, yeah, and, and that's yeah. Uh, it's it was rough. That was a rough day. Um, the one good thing that came out of that, at least in terms of KXP stuff, was uh, the next week. We just sort of spontaneously did a uh, a live music day, and so it was just live in studios at KXP, live records, and everything like that. The next week, um, as just kind of a remember, live music is something that's supposed to be enjoyed, and we won't let even something as terrifying as this stop us from enjoying live music. And so it's it's always and it's always also comforting to see things like the manager of Bataclan, like when being interviewed a couple days later saying oh we're going to reopen yeah we're going to reopen and it's going to go back to the way like we're not stopping or or he was saying that he wants to be the band to reopen the yeah line. or like and stuff like that like that's that's the one good thing about it is just to sort of see the human perseverance afterwards yeah and that's that's also that's something that we should highlight before we move on is that yeah that's that is also the that, to, that is the most important thing is probably not only remembering those who passed but also just seeing the human perseverance of people um Coping with not just the events there, but also moving on and trying to uh, celebrate the stuff, celebrate the live music again afterwards. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Whew. There, so there we go. Yeah, there we go. And uh, hopefully, the rest of the podcast will have levity, and we will move on to that <laughs> from that, and we'll we'll get we'll get into some lighter subjects. And I think the next one you wanted to go into was uh, music news of next year. Music news of next year, which is. So basically, supposed to be kind of an, an onion article headline exactly. that we come up with ourselves. Yeah, and, well, uh, I, you know, I'm, I would read you our nominations for. I, in fact, I did read you our nominations for the uh, sounding board proper, and I think I'm not going to repeat them because they've got to remain a surprise for fair. for the official end of the year exactly. official sounding board official discussions. Okay, coming sometime. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But you've come up with some some nominees and yeah. some runner ups and mm-hmm. a winner for music news of next year. Mm-hmm. Why don't you uh, Why don't you go from the bottom up? From the bottom up. So I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna make if we're gonna make one up, what would be what would be a fun one um, of music news of next year? Um, Something with. Let's see here. Let's okay. So this is this is kind of serious, but also just uh, Tool will finally come out with a single for their new album, uh, which is going to be said that's going to be released in 2016, but it actually won't be released until 202016. Uh, 
so there's there's one. Uh, Tool will actually release a song and say there's going to be a new album, and then there won't be one. There, there just, won't there be a new be album, a, yeah, and, they be will, and, and, and they will, will continue, continue to call they his will fans continue, retards. Yes, and it will just continue to blow up and just be... <sighs> just continue from there. I mean, that sounds like a real headline, though. It does, but at the same time, like, I... It's just, it's going to continue. The saga shall continue. Will, okay. Will or will not Tool release an album in 2016? Probably not. Uh, still no Tool album. Still Runner no up Tool number album. one. Runner up number one. Uh, if I have to come up with a second one. How about, how about, um, how about something with Lil Wayne and Birdman? Lil Wayne and Birdman? I think something else will happen with Lil Wayne and Birdman. Okay. I we'll think, go with that. I yeah. think, I think, I think Birdman will, will attempt to take out another hit on Lil Wayne. Okay. But will instead accidentally hire someone to hug him instead. That's fair. I think that's something along those lines. There will be some comic mishap that that absolves Birdman of of any charges, and I don't know what it'll be, but but that story will continue to develop. That was also dumb. This that year. was pretty dumb. That was really dumb. Sometimes sometimes just something happens in music and, and you think it's that's just it's weird. Um maybe uh Maybe Mark Kozilek will pick another fight with somebody that he deems beer rock or something. That'll be that'll be something that'll happen. It'll be another band that I like and it'll make me sad. <laughs> that'll be that'll probably happen. Just, you know, oh great. Now you're now you're picking on Spoon. Awesome. Good for you, Mark. <laughs> Good for you. Damn it. Damn it, man. Just uh, Leave our, um, our soft rock alone. Leave 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 our favorites alone, Mark Kozilek. Stop Mark Kozilek it. picks a fight with Wilco. Dad. No! <laughs> Dad's everywhere. Why? Cry tears. Hey, now. <laughs> I like I like Wilco. Wilco's and good, a, but it's dad rock. And I'm not a dad. Wilco's dad rock. I mean, I might be wearing dad jeans, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not a dad. You're, well, all right. All right. So, so I firmly believe that fatherhood is biological yes. and dadhood is not. Okay. Well, then I, I am definitely a proponent of, of dadhood. I'm wearing... I, I wear some pretty solid. I rock dad jeans, and I have I wear Merrill shoes. That's how cool I am. Uh, I'm pretty. I I'm pretty you may Merrill not have shoes. a child, but I'm pretty sure you're a dad. People assume. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay, but uh, so top music news of next year, yeah, especially what? especially since he is actually he's released a single and he's been promising uh, opening up new solo material, being the opening act for uh, Joanna Newsom. Actually, uh, is Robin Pecknold. We'll release a soap and we'll, we'll this we'll release a solo album. This is not an onion title. This is actually legitimate news. I think I think he will hold, release hold on, a solo hold on album. One second for me. Okay. For people who don't recognize that name, what okay. act is he associated with? So Robin Pecknold is associated as the lead singer of Fleet Foxes. And Fleet Foxes has been a band if we really wanted to come out with an onion article, much like that tool one we were talking about. People have been People have been waiting for a Fleet Foxes album to come out since Helplessness Blues, which came out in 2011. Was so it that's 2011. Yeah. So people have been waiting wow. four years for Fleet Foxes to come out with something, and then you know Josh Tillman, even though he left the band before Helplessness Blues, came out with Father John Misty stuff, and that's got him all the credit in the world that he deserves mm-hmm. because both of those albums are fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and his live act is amazing. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, a dude can move. Dude can move. Um, he's super funny. He's basically a combination between not just like uh, he, a performing artist, but also like a lounge singer and like stand-up comedian act. He's he is a, super funny. He's 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 the level of snarky. And we mentioned uh, Noel Gallagher earlier. Mm-hmm. He's that level of snarky. Like yeah. the shit that he says. Earlier this year, um, there was that headline where obviously 
uh, Ryan Adams covered Taylor Swift's 1989, and everyone loved it because it was sort of a Springsteen, like, heavier interpretation. Yeah. And then, all right, so, so Josh Tillman mm-hmm. then re- released two tracks. I can't remember what, what tracks they were covers of, um, two of the big singles, that he, he said were covers of the Ryan Adams classic 1989. In the style of the Velvet Underground and Lou Reed. And hours later... Hours. Hours later, pulled hours. them both offline. Like, probably three and a half hours. Pulled them both offline and said that he had a dream in which he spoke to Lou Reed. There, and, and it's more than this. You should read the actual description of the dream because it involves traveling the world and, and people like singing with tears streaming down their faces and all sorts of weird shit. But it ended with Lou Reed telling him that he should not channel the dead and that and that he, his sound and and Lou Reed's spirit were not his plaything. And so he took those albums offline. All right. Yeah. Uh so that's Josh Tillman. Yeah. Snarkiest motherfucker around. He is but he really is. I I saw him at Sasquatch this year and he just he he said one of the funniest things I have ever heard at a festival which was I'd like to be serious with all of you for a quick moment, with all these beach balls flying at my fucking face. And it, he, and since he delivered it like in that deadpan way, was just it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard because I was just annoyed by every single beach ball at that festival. So it was really nice just to see that uh, Josh Tillman as well. <laughs> but but Josh Tillman, not who we're talking about. Sorry for no. well, this now this podcast is one known for the uh, diversions, the diversions. But. All right, and so I suffer from enough uh, ADHD to completely follow a. Oh, you'll just go whatever. with me. You'll oh, just go I'll with just me go wherever with I go. I will just so tumble Josh downwards. Tillman's old bandmate, Robin Pecknold, who is the lead singer of the lead Fleet singer Foxes. of Fleet Foxes. He will release a solo record, and there's already a single out. It's a um, it's a cover, uh, "Out of Sight, Out of Mind" by the uh, the Five Keys. If my name, if my memory serves me right, and. He, uh, it's, it's, it reminds me very much of the Shrine and Argument from Helplessness Blues, which is that eight minute track. Mm. And then it's, it's, it starts out kind of like in the Fleet Foxes, just folk music kind of way. And then suddenly there's, uh, free jazz, like trumpet and saxophone solo in the middle of the song to sort of close out the last, like, two and a half, three minutes. Um, there's a lot of that sort of free form noise. And, and this track is only like two minutes and 45 seconds long. So I think he's going to get really experimental and come out with uh, a fun solo album next year. Uh, and, you know, I guess just to make this sound more like an Onion headline, he and uh, and Father John Misty will get into rival lounge singer acts, which will eventually end in, of course, the only way possible, a WWE ring for WrestleMania. That'll be the only way possible that it could, that it could end. Uh, that they're gonna have to be on a really accelerated timeline, man. WrestleMania is coming up quick. Yeah, they can they can figure it out. Okay, they can figure it out. All right. If not, yeah. if not WrestleMania, SummerSlam. I would some more time. I would enjoy that. Yeah, I, I would, would too. I would I like think, that a lot. Uh, I bet. I bet. I think in the terms of just made up bullcrap, that would be that would be a fun made up bullcrap thing is to I, watch. I bet Tillman could like do some top rub stuff. Uh, I, I bet they both could. Yeah, they're both they really pretty. Both. They're both pretty They're pretty dudes. lithe. Yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be an opening match in which there's a lot of. A lot of uh, high flying. Oh, it'll be so good! It'll be awesome. Oh, it'll be so good! It'll be great. I'm excited for the uh, the WWE. Uh, nothing crosses uh, over quite like Father John Misty, Fleet Foxes, and the WWE. 
I mean, they had, they had. I'm not gonna the the pop singer. I, I'm not gonna say her name because I'm gonna confuse her with a porn star. Uh, never mind. Never that's, mind. That's on you. Yeah, let's move along. <laughs> just we're let's, gonna. I'm gonna just say that's on you. Let's I, move. Along. I have no idea what you're talking about either way. <laughs> the, the the third category that you told me that you that you were interested in talking about yes. was surprise of the year. There were a couple surprises for me. Yeah, um, and this could be an album or a song, something that you. The, Expected to be one way and maybe came out another way. Let's see what mostly yeah. what I mostly treat it as is just like bands that I either had no idea that existed before this year, unfortunately, because yeah. you can't keep track of everything, or just people that came out with debut albums that completely caught me off guard about how great they were. Um, and uh, and the one theme of it is that all <laughs> all of them have female lead singers, which. Is not something I did on purpose. It just kind of happened. Hey man, um, this year has been a great year for female lead singers. Yeah, no, as it really it turns has. Out. Uh, just in female artists in in general, like uh, I mean, I keep talking about KXP stuff, but I work there and I can't help it. Oh, you have to, you uh, have and to. I have to. Uh, we just did the uh, our countdown, and I think the top of the top fourteen albums, uh, half of them were uh, female artists. Wow, that well, I mean, that's how it should be. That is how it should be. But still, wow, because that's not how it's been. <laughs> that's not how it's been, and it was just it was it, there was just a lot of really great stuff that came out from uh, from everybody, but especially from from female artists. Like, I mean, this this isn't this wasn't my surprise of the year because I knew this band was good beforehand. But Chastity Belt released an amazing record this year. Oh, I listened um, to that album just the other day. I yeah, really it made, liked it. It made my top ten, not my top five, which we're going to discuss later. But it made my top ten. Um, and that was that was an amazing record. But uh, the the two surprises though of bands that I just did not expect. Okay, so one uh, runner up the, and one winner. Uh, one, two. These are the two runner ups. Two runner ups. These are the two runner ups, runner. and then the one winner. All right. Um, the two runner ups was uh, was Bully with their album Feels Like. That one caught me completely off guard. I don't know um, them. They were in Seattle recently. Uh, they opened for Jeff the Brotherhood, which is horribly appropriate because they're very very just scuzzy, dirty punk music okay and, yeah, uh, yeah just loud and uh their album feels like was just completely uh, it was something like i'd listened to a couple singles beforehand so i was i was kind of just like waiting for the album to come out but it was all it was all this year and i did not expect it at all the lead the lead singer uh has worked with like with steve albini and stuff like that mm-hmm. and her name escapes me because i don't have it in my notes because i didn't realize we were doing runners up before the podcast but it was uh it was just it. That was one that caught me by surprise. So, Bully feels like look it up. Really good record. Um, and Wolf Alice, my love is cool. That one got a lot of love from KXP and rightfully so. They performed at KXP's You Will Benefit uh, concert, which was a couple weeks ago, and that 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 was another great album. And they they were another band that came in for like an in studio at KEXP before they really, really blew up, and now they're nominated for a friggin' Grammy. Um, well, what sort of thing did they... For best rock performance. Rock performance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I'll, I'll add them to my list. I, yeah. I have spent this last week frantically listening to albums uh, that came out this year because I realized that I stopped listening to them around April. Um, so and I'm you run a music behind, podcast. right? Good for you. Right. Well, <laughs> I run a music podcast where we talk about music... And of things. all years, yeah, and things, and things, music, uh, and things, music, and other. I've I've noticed this every time I've been on. It's really music and things, not just music. No, 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 no. don't be crazy. <laughs> don't be. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, so, so, so our runners Wolf up Alice, one more time. Wolf Alice. Wolf Alice, my love is cool. 
and Bully feels like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which means that our winner, your winner... Our winner, which is actually a surprise because apparently they've been a band since 2005, and I didn't hear about them until this year, was a group called Hop Along. And they had an album that came out this year called Painted Shut. And uh, this uh, didn't... See, I had to come up with like an official top ten list for KEXP and everything like that, which you can find at KEXP.org. I'm sorry, blog.kexp.org. <laughs> if you're going to pimp your stuff, make sure you send make people sure, to the right make place. Make sure I send them to the right place. Uh, so this this album didn't make it, but it was about halfway through the year, it was definitely up there as one of my top ten records. Um, it ended up not making it, but it's still really, really great. It's called Hot... So again, it's Hop Along's Painted Shut. Um, it, I had no idea this band existed beforehand. They're from Philadelphia. Uh, they, it came out earlier this year in May. Um, they have two other albums that came out, uh, one came out in 2012 called Get Disowned, and then another one that came out in 2005 called Freshman Year. And if you listen to this record, the lead singer, um, Francis Quinlan's vocals are so, so good. And I don't mean that in, like, a classic sense of something kind of like it sounds really pretty or anything like that. It actually sounds really painful. Like, mm. you feel physical pain when you listen that to... That kind of intensity, That kind yeah. of intensity. And just the the lyrical content of the songs, the way it sounds, and her vocals really makes for a fantastic record. And it's just really good. And it just, it really caught me off guard how into that album that I got. Because it ended up, I think, making the top, like, 90 albums for mm-hmm. KEXP. But I, it wasn't high. Like, it wasn't something that that people were like, oh, this is in my top ten. It was more, it was kind of in the uh, the lower numbers, but it was it was such a great record, and it really caught me off guard how great it was, and how, you know, and I went back and was just like, who the hell is Hopalong? Who, who are these, who are these, these guys and this gal? Like, who, who are they? And it's just, it's a really fun group, and they, they made, they made an album that really caught me by surprise. They've got a bunch of just really it's just it's really good. I have it on vinyl. That's that's usually like my key. Like it's like, do I own it on vinyl? Yes, that band's awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. That was kind of that was kind of my uh, my test this year too. I bought a lot of records. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. I, I shudder to think mm-hmm. of that money sink. Uh, don't shudder to think about money. Don't see it as money sink. Think, see it as <laughs> see investment. It as, <laughs> see it as investment. See it as money well spent. That's how you should see it. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So surprise of the year. Hop along. Hop along. Uh, the name of the album is Painted Shut. That was my surprise of the year. That was kind of my, oh, that's, uh, you know, that was that was the one that just completely caught me off guard. And I'm trying to find the uh, the track list for for that album, but it just, none of my uh, my notes are helping out right now. <laughs> One second. Just, sure. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's, there it is. Their song Waitress, especially, was very good. Okay. So, cool. check them out. Yeah, check yeah, yeah. them out. It sounds like I need to, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a, a couple minutes, uh, sure. regroup, and yeah. then come back for three more categories. And this is where it gets a little more contentious. This is where it gets a little more serious. Are we going to fight? Oh, no, 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 no. You just have to, like, order your lists now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. A little bit more preparation. A little bit more preparation after this break. Thank you. 
and we are back. The sounding board end of the year stravaganza resumes with DJ board op multi-talent. You've got too many jobs there. Can I just call you KEXP employee Reeves Richards? We'll go with that. KEXP employee Reeves Richards. KEXP employee Reeves Richards. We made it through half of our list, and uh, as we said... We now, rambled, and we diverged, oh, that's and how now we're going to continue rambling and diverging. It's <laughs> going to be awesome. Oh, man. Just just right on the nose. Mm-hmm. So we've got three categories left. Yeah. The first is uh, kind of the, the category that inspired the weirder categories uh, on our list, that, mm-hmm. that many of which you, you elected to avoid. Um, yeah. <laughs> But this one, sorry, <laughs> this one is a, is a is a big one. This yeah. is 2015's 2005 album of the year. Yeah, and when I say that, what I what I mean is isn't what is the best album of 2005. What I mean is in 2015. Yeah, looking back at 2005, for me personally, for you, what is the album that that well is the best album. Sure. And and this is the reason that that we're doing this category is a, a couple of different reasons, you know. There are plenty of lists of the best album of 2005, but they were all written in 2005. Yeah. So nothing really had the opportunity to see how it kind of stands the test of time, yeah. how it'll impact things that come after it. This gives us this gives us a 10-year retrospective to take exactly. a look back on an album or a couple albums mm-hmm. and see how they stood up. Yeah. Like, if, if we had a time machine, we could go back to 2005 and say, this should have been the album of the year, fuck your list. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 100%. That is, in fact, We're the on reason... The same page. That is the reason for this list. It is for when a time machine is invented, we'll be able to go back a decade each time and correct the end of the year lists, thus changing the course of music forever. Yeah. Right? We define mm-hmm. what's what's influential. We are the tastemakers. Fuck you, Pitchfork. There are, uh... Actually, I kind of like Pitchfork, though. The whole acquisition thing was a little weird. I was about to say, that was that was kind of uncalled for. <laughs> yeah, no, Pitchfork is pretty cool. I still read Pitchfork. That's where I get most of my Liar. news. Anyways. Uh, yeah. All right. So 2015's 2005 album, ah, album of the year. I have asked you to make for me a top five list, and I've asked you to order it. For this? For this. Well, uh, I thought it no, was... no, no, oh, that's right. This is, no, 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 yep. no, no, that is for albums and yep. songs. That is for albums and songs. This is that's for... That's right. This one, we're still doing, we're still doing a winner and I have notes, up. and you're just completely <laughs> screwing them over with your stuff, man. All right, so, God. so, for the sounding board, this will be an ordered list. Okay, for the sounding board, that's fine. That can be for the sounding but board. For but for KEXP employee Reeves Richards, this is going to be a, a winner and, and maybe some runner-ups. I have a couple runner-ups that All right. I would like to discuss. All right. And then I will give the winner. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it's funny that you that you chose 2005 because it's more than that it's just conveniently 10 years ago. Um, because for people our age, and especially me because I am I am now at the ripe old age of 27, I am a grandpa uh, by music-making standards at the very least. Uh, cool music-making standards, we should probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earl, Earl Sweatshirt is not yeah. down with you. No, Earl Sweatshirt is not down with me. I am a, I am an old ass man in that in those terms. At twenty seven already, it's great. Uh, but ten years ago, I was seventeen. You were a baby. I was a baby. It's and funny how there's there's yeah. like a, a two year gap between yeah. being a baby and being an old man. Yeah, and the 
between the ages of 15 and 17, that's usually, for, for people like us, that's usually when we start getting into this type of music. Unless we were lucky and had an older sibling that was also into this type of music, then you were introduced to this at a way younger age, and you were able to, like, really get into stuff, and you never really had that discovery moment. I, uh, I didn't have any, any siblings. I just had a yeah. dad who really, really liked the Fugees, okay. and, uh, and Aaron Neville, and, and, nice. and things like that. Yeah. Well, and then he got into dance hall. Okay. When, once I d- developed my own my own music taste, he got super into dance hall when he was like sixty. Okay, see, so I didn't. Yeah, so I I didn't have that type of father figure. My my or like anybody like that in my family. My dad is super into music, and he but he loves stuff like ACDC, um, uh, the sort of the original like Metallica albums, Leonard Slayer, Skinner. yeah, Leonard Skinner. So anything like classic rock or sort of that heyday of metal in like the '80s sort of era. That he was, is an American. He is an American. He, uh, he's also a colonel in the army, which is about as American as you can get. He is an American he capital is an, A. He is an American capital A. Uh, votes Republican, just down the line, just anything. Although he's got, like, hippie hair and a hippie beard. It's weird. Yeah, um, that is weird. He's, uh, he's libertarian. Well, Anyways. Well, I mean, Leonard Skinner crosses the boundaries between Democrat and Republican. Yeah, sure. Just Southern, <laughs> just Southern pride. I mean... Nothing racist about the Confederate flag at all. Ha-ha! <laughs> Sweet Home okay. Alabama is still pretty good. Sweet sure. Home Alabama holds up. Sure. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get let's, to your list. Oh, God. Uh, anyways, sarcasm, in case that wasn't clear. Gotta say that out loud now. Um, so, anyways, so 2005 was kind of... That was when I started really getting into this style of music. It's when I started picking up magazines like Spin and Rolling mm-hmm. Stone and skipping their news articles and getting to the good stuff, which is the reviews, because they actually do review good music in those magazines still. So that was the section that I would always gravitate to. And this was when I started getting into music. It was around 2004, 2005, my freshman year of high school, my sophomore year of high school. And it helped that I made a couple friends that were also into this type of music. They got me, I remember 2004 was when I discovered uh, Modest Mouse. Mm. And Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, and so I was able to have friends in. Actually, no, not even 2004. In the la- in the beginning of 2005, I found good news for people who love bad news, and I found out about Franz Ferdinand's uh, debut album, self-titled. Self-titled. That was a good album. That was a really good album, and I had a friend who uh, who just who then immediately started exposing me to all of like Modest Mouse's earliest records and stuff like that afterwards, um, but. Uh, so for 2005 is when I started getting into that, and there were a couple music reviews for albums that eventually like opened up the floodgates for me really falling in love with a, with a couple bands. And the two runners-up are Spoon and My Morning Jacket. Mm-hmm. And um, these, are, these are albums that you and I, are, or bands that you and I have talked about quite a bit. Yeah, and these, like, My Morning Jacket might be my favorite band, period. Might be. Like, but might be because that could change tomorrow. Definitely today and for most of my life, my morning jacket is has been my favorite band. And their album Z was the first album that I got to listen to in two thousand and five when it came out. And that was that was the record that got me into my morning jacket. And it's funny because that's kind of their more experimental one before they completely jumped the shark of evil urges, which is a really divisive record that makes some people very angry um, and some people very happy. I'm in the happy camp. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, Z was kind of their their first one where they they sort of 
I sort of experimented a little bit more, and that was the one that I got into, and it was super awesome, and I loved it. Uh, and it got me into my morning jacket, and it got me more into this style of music. And another record that was like that was Spoon's Give Me Fiction. Mm. And that kind of, mm. that kind of, you know, like my morning jacket is a little bit more in the scuzzier, sort of spaced out guitar style. And Spoon was kind of the first band that's that I got so into that was more. I came to Spoon sort of really structured late. pop music, but in a very uh, not you know traditional pop music kind of way. Yeah, I came to Spoon really late. I actually so somehow I avoided knowing about Spoon until last year. How last did year, you do that? I don't know. I really don't like. How are and, we friends? <laughs> like, the, the thing and is, by, like, by that I mean not really like why why were we friends beforehand. I, more like how did you how, hang out with me without ever and hearing not about hearing it. and not ever hearing any spoon? Well, okay, so you're not the only person that I'm really close with that loves spoon. Yeah, like uh, Camden, sound sounding board regular Camden Taylor. <laughs> he loves, loves spoon. spoon, and Give Me Fiction is his favorite album. That is Ted. That's a solid favorite album. Ted Ted loves Spoon. Uh, one of my one of my other friends, Ariel, who I've traded music with a lot, loves Spoon. She's All like, of these people that I am really close with and who I who I am close with because in part of their music taste, love this band, and no one told me about them until just before They Want My Soul came out. Damn. No one ever mentioned, and, and I went and listened to them and immediately I, loved them. And I was like, what the fuck, guys? You've let me down. How? But why? I don't know. (laughs) Just like we would talk about TV on the radio, and we would talk about Modest Mouse, and we'd talk about fucking Queens of the Stone Age. All these bands that easily cross over with someone that would like Spoon. And no one ever mentioned them. And I was just like, how did I... how, How has the last five to ten years gone by without people being like, you need to listen to this? And and I, I've asked people. To, to be honest with you, the answer to that question is probably because they just assumed. Yeah, they've just assumed, and and they probably were right too. Because holy fuck, do I like Spoon? Yeah, no, it's they're amazing. So yeah, oh yeah. Give Me Fiction came out in two thousand and five, and that was one of those. That was one of those records that put me down the rabbit hole of starting to get into music that wasn't uh, on popular radio or something that wasn't already on classic rock radio, which is what I was raised on from my dad. And stuff like that. So, those those were the two records that I discovered once I started trying to actually do some research into okay, what what do people you know like what do people suggest when it comes to music and stuff like that when it comes to mm-hmm. tastemakers. Yeah, and I remember Spoon and My Morning Jacket being the two uh, that I I just I I think I even read them out of the back of the same issue of Rolling Stone and the review section. I Behind buy... the, uh, the the like alcohol and cigarettes advertisement. Oh uh, yeah, because yeah. ba- basically, yeah, no, they have they have that one like one page advertisement, and then they have the reviews, and that's and that was you know when I was growing up, that was that was the good stuff that got me into my morning jacket, that got me into spoon, that got me into smoking. A plethora Lenny, of bands. You don't smoke. Uh, yeah, I don't smoke, which you know is is good for my health, I guess. Shocking, um, considering your your industry. I thought the performance, well, not the performance arts, but the, <laughs> you, the arts in general Did you general just assume were... that if, oh, if yeah, I was, yeah. if I was, I, like, if oh, I was involved was... in some form of like radio or... If you're involved in music, theater, or uh, or movies, you've got to smoke, right? Uh, I mean, it, 
Now that you point it out, like there's always like the, the picture of like a music critic or something like that with a cigarette. Right? The the like the like the the depiction of Lester Banks always has a cigarette. Well then there what the hell? Then right? you want to know why? It's because my dad is a heart surgeon. So okay, my dad, yeah, yeah. my Makes dad sense. basically was just like, "Oh, you want to smoke? Here's a picture of a black lung flirt." Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> and he like showed that to me as like a kid. So I can't like I just there's I've never dare worked on me. Let's just yeah. put it that way. I yeah, don't no, smoke it, because it, dare worked. It on worked me on that me way. too. Like, not not the A part anymore. Not the alcohol. Drugs, not so much. The alcohol part. It, it, I love beer too much now. It worked but. on. Dare worked on me too. Like I was, I was a, a scared child until yeah. I was in college. We were straight edge. Yeah, we Except were straight edge without the tattoo, without the tattoo, and without listening to the cool stuff like well, Gossy. Ta- tattoos which is lame. If I would have known about, like, hey, I could have not done drugs and also listened to Fugazi when I was a kid, I would have been so much happier well, instead of being a goody two-shoes little bastard. I don't know, man. T- tattoos, uh... When I was a kid, tattoos, drugs, and alcohol all went together. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, the straight-edge thing was really yeah, confusing, the straight edge, right? the straight-edge thing was kind of more of an urban thing, and you're from Alaska, yeah. and I'm from eastern Colorado. So there was, like, there was no, there was no like, straight-edge... There was no like straight edge community we could have possibly no. and oh. listen and listen to cool ass punk music while also not doing drugs. Oh. Like, there was All no, the people that, in Alaska just drank anyway. Yeah, like just we couldn't, we didn't have that. And Doomed same from thing, the start. Same thing with Eastern Colorado because you know Coors is basically brewed down the river, so they would just yep. alcohol would just flow into the plat and we would just drink from it. That's <laughs> that's what it was like living in Greeley, Colorado, and Eastern Colorado, but. Uh, but yeah, that uh, so those those we diverged again. Uh, <laughs> Shocker. God. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. Yeah. So you've given us our run- your runner up. I've got stuff to do today. No. Um, spoons the, give uh, me fiction. So spoons give me fiction, and my morning jacket Z are my runner ups. But my my favorite one uh, from two thousand and five is Block Party's Silent Alarm, which is Block Party's best album. If anybody tells you otherwise, they're wrong. Um, I, I'm very vehement about that because this, this album, not that their other albums aren't good, it's just this one is a stone cold classic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if anybody tells me otherwise, I get, I get kind of upset. Uh, this was a very important album in the formation of Reeves, uh, as a person and as someone who listens to music a lot and works at KEXP because this was, this was the first album that, uh, that I that I didn't get from like reading somewhere or anything like that. This was the first album that was introduced to me by a friend. It was actually uh, a year. It was actually a year later after it came out because they immediately toured the U.S. after the album was released. But they went on another tour before they released their second album in 2007 and 2006. And so they came to Denver. And one of my friends uh, at the time was 15 and couldn't drive to Denver. I was 17. Oh, and he was I was 17 borderline 18 years old and he was just like we should go see this show I have an extra ticket my older brother isn't able to go and I was like I have no idea who Block Party is and he gave me Silent Alarm and I listened to it and I remember um, like Eating Glass which is the opening track playing in my car and then just after just hearing that song was just like okay, we're going. Let's, we're going. Let's, let's go. Yeah. And this, so this was my first concert that I saw without my parents and just with a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we drove from Greeley, Colorado, which is about an hour and a half away from Denver. Um, uh, hour fifteen, hour, but uh, including traffic, about an hour and a half away from the theater, which was uh, the Ogden um, in Denver, um, a converted sort of like vaudevillian theater, and 
it's one of the main venues of Denver. If you if you live in Colorado or if you live in Denver and you go to shows, you know the Ogden. Um, it's something kind of like the Neptune in Seattle. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, but the way that it's set up is that the pit for the Ogden when we went to see Block Party in two thousand six was uh, all ages, but the pit uh, was like just barely the size of your apartment in a huge theater that's supposed oh, to hit okay. that's supposed to fit a couple hundred people yeah and then so it, it was one of those situations like if you go to an all ages show you see it where you see basically the kids segregated into one area so they can make sure they don't get alcohol and then there's like the space for people who are above the age of 21 is just freaking palatial like it's just <laughs> like they're allowed to wander yep. and walk about with their alcohol and drink it comfortably well basically me and my friend because we were 17 and 15 years old are just thunked like right into like the front mm-hmm. granted we were in the front which was cool but we were basically just slammed into the front with all these other like sweaty like 20 to 15 year old kids not able to move around that much and black and block party came out and i think their last song before they went into encore it it was either banquet or it was helicopter it was one of the main huge tracks from the album and uh I got like slammed around quite a bit and I couldn't breathe and I passed out at the end of the song only oh, to wake no! only to wake up from basically my feet were not actually touching the floor to basically hitting the floor and waking up and just kind of stuttering awake and looking around at the, after the band walks off stage I find my friend and I look at him and there's kind of like a moment of silence and I say to him I was like I think I passed out during that last song and he immediately responded with yeah I think I did too and we waited for the encore to happen and we saw the encore and it was awesome and then we basically we left the theater there's a gas station across the street from the Ogden we went there and we both finished a liter of Aquafina bottled water <laughs> faster than anybody else on the planet oh, so man. so like that was so that was my first concert that I kind of saw that I consider like my first concert because you see concert with your parents it's not the same when you're thing. like 10 and like 12 or 13 years old like my first concert first concert is Aerosmith and Kiss, which is cool, but that's with your parents, mm. and it's Aerosmith and Kiss. Mm. Block Party was the first one that I it saw, and it was just me. Concert. It was my concert with my friend yeah. that he invited me to go see with him. Yeah. And even though that wasn't technically in 2005, since that album came out in 2005, and that's like one of the most important records of my life, that is my favorite record of 2005. That is your 2015. And it probably always will be. 2005 album yeah. of the year. 2015, 2016, through the future, that will probably be my favorite record of 2005, no matter what, because of all the really cool memories that have come from that record and also that show the next year. Fantastic. Yeah. That sounds awesome. It was. Like, that yeah, was, that sounds so cool. That's still, yeah, that was still, that's still like, I mean, I don't know if it like legitimately, objectively is one of the best concerts that I've ever seen, but it's... It's uh, one. It is. It sounds like it is the most memorable. It's, it's the most memorable for me personally, and that was. And they also played new tracks that would eventually come off of a weekend in the city, and uh, those were great too. And it mm-hmm. was just. It was. It was. It was just one of the funner nights I've ever had. And just between getting there in the car, and just like being able to finally kind of have that freedom in my life at 17 years old. After I mean, my parents weren't like heavy-handed or anything like that it was just but but still like it like really it was just far enough to wait to where i couldn't experience a really cool concert on a regular basis Mm -hmm. it would be like it would be like living to i guess to localize it to seattle or something like that it would be like living in 
in uh, in like Issaquah or something. Yeah, you're just 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 slightly just too far, slightly too far away. Yeah, to to be able to make it over, even though Modest Mouse is from Issaquah, but whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking distance and not actual like cultural importance, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, that that is my 2015 2005 album of the year is Silent Alarm by Block Party. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now. <laughs> You have homework. You have homework. You have homework right now. And uh, if you don't like it, well, again, you're wrong. Cold. Cold. That's decisive. That is decisive. I usually try not to be this opinionated about music. I try to be very much more like, oh, like what you like, whatever. Oh, you like Taylor Swift? Okay, that's fine. Like Taylor Swift. But with this one... You have to, like, if you don't like it, you're a bad person. Maybe not like a bad person, but you're... An uninformed person. Your your taste is suspect. Okay, yeah, yeah, your taste is suspect. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of taste being suspect, Mm -hmm. now we're getting into... The the actual contentious stuff. The contentious stuff. The stuff where you're going to say something to me. This will end in violence. And I will either say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Rage in a cage. I don't know that, or you chose that? Yeah, here we go. Let's do it. All right, so <laughs> top songs. Top songs. Of 2015. Top songs of 2015. This time, I have, in fact, asked you to pick five. I have, in fact, asked you asked And you, you gave me time to actually create them instead of yeah, <laughs> yeah, putting yeah. me on the spot and just being like, what are your top five? Oh, God, I have one. Um, <laughs> so, and, and this is an ordered list. This is an ordered list. And okay. We're starting from five. So we're going with songs. Songs of 2015. Best of. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll just start with number five right now. This was my song of the summer, for sure. This was the summer jam of the this year. Was, this was the summer jam for uh, of the year for me, and uh, that is Kurt Vile's Pretty Pimpin' Believe I'm Going Down, uh, which was uh, released, I think, either early August or late July, um, if my memory serves me right. But this, this song was like... Actually, no. This was the first single. The single was released in the summer. I apologize. The album was released later in the fall. But when this song was released as a single in the summer, it became pretty much my summer jam. And I was listening to it nonstop. Um, I went to a friend's wedding on uh, a place called Lumi Island in the Sound. And uh, for whatever reason, my car made it there. And uh, I drank too much. And I went to my car because it was the only stereo available that wasn't there. And I listened to this song on repeat a couple times before I went back to the party. Because <laughs> oh, I was God. that um, cause I was that obsessed with it. Oh, that is man. how much I loved this song. It was really, really... Like, yeah. this This was this was my summer song for sure. And I still love it. It's it's such a great song. Like, the way like the lyrics are written, the just the acoustic intro on acoustic guitar with everything else, it's just... it It's awesome. Yeah, Kurt Vile's been around for a couple of years at this point, mm-hmm. and I've I've been hearing his name a lot as sort of a yeah. He's been making he he has a backing band called the Violators, and that's who he, and that's who he tours with. And uh, if you have a chance to see him live, also do that as well. He's mm-hmm. um, he's he's not this like. Uh, I don't know. He, he it's he's not like Prince where it's like it's this spectacular show so, yeah. show like showman kind of thing. He he very much shows up on stage. He plays his songs in tune and he sings it like it does on the record. And he just he sounds great live. So, okay, so cool. That was, that was one of the shows I was able to to see this uh, this year, and that was awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. Number four. Number four. Making a bit of a turn. As we, um, we suspected it may. As we suspected it may. Uh, is Russian 
atmospheric black metal uh, solo project. He goes by the name Sivage Yar. Spell that for me. Uh, in the original acrylic Russian alphabet? Let's go with English. English? Let's okay. go with English. So the, ang- the way it's spelled uh, anglicized is S-I-V-Y-J space Y-A-R. Sivage Yar. And uh, he came out with a record called Burial Shrouds, and the title track off of that, which is uh, the also the opening track with a bit of an intro, is furious. It is such a good song. It it really it uh, it just it it slays. Um, <laughs> you you played a bit. Of I this played I played a bit of this for you before we started and recording. It's cool, man. It's really cool. Yeah, and, it's it's got a thickness to it that I really like, and it's. For me, when I come to, to black metal, yeah, I find that it can be a little challenging because I, I always like the intros. Which is the I point, like, though. That's that's always been the point of black metal is to be challenging. Okay. That's that's always been the point of it. Like the, Black metal basically started because the people who m- started making black metal decided that, uh, especially like later on in black metal, they decided that death metal had become too commercial and not rough enough. Uh-huh. Okay. That's, yeah. So no, that should it, that should give you an idea. It, it, <laughs> it works because because what always happens to me yeah. is the intro and the build up. In my head, it's like a wave, right? Yeah. The intro and the build up is awesome, and I'm yeah. with it. And then it crashes and breaks into a nightmarish mess that I can't follow anymore. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, it's and uh, you know, like in this, it's an eight minute track. It's it definitely builds and it goes through all these different progressions, and it's just it's a really solid song. And this uh, this record didn't quite make it into my top ten, but it was easily like top fifteen, top twenty. Like it was just there. Like it just missed top ten. It it like it, it it's it's a, it's an incredible record, and just especially with the opening track with the intro is just it 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 dip. I'm getting uh, like I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, and I'm kind of disappointed that words escape me right now. But it really, really does just it, it crushes it. It it opens up with just that uh, that that double kick drum, and it just mm-hmm. and it builds and it builds and it builds and it just and it hits. Uh, and I love the way that the uh, the singer sounds because he wails like a banshee, um, and it's a, it's a solo project, so he plays all the instruments and he sings, um, and uh, you know it's just. And he's mysterious because it's black metal, and yeah, uh, that's that's what it has to be. That's you know you can't know where the band is from. You can't. I mean, we know that he's from Russia, but sometimes you can't even know where the band is from. You can't uh, anything along those lines. But it's it's a really solid track. It's the strongest track on the record, um, even though the uh, there's it's it's a great album. That's that would be so. That's at number four. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell me about number three. Another left turn. We're just basically going to be going around the block on left turns from now until basically the end of my top five because it's weird. Uh, number three is uh, is Ought off of their album Sun Coming Down, uh, or I'm sorry, off their album Sun Coming Down, and it's the song Beautiful Blue Sky. Uh, this is another longer track. This one's, I think, seven and a half minutes long. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, this, uh, this it's a post-punk band, and this is a very post-punk song. Um, and especially with the lyrics. And the reason I like this song mostly is because of the lyrics. I love the lyrics to this song. Uh, it's super repetitive because he's just repeating phrases over and over and over again kind of as the chorus. Uh, 
and uh, you know, and, and also just like for the bridges and everything. And it's it really hits home in the sense of what it's like to kind of be at those monotonous locations and having sort of the same conversation over and over again. Mm. Um, you know, it, like, I mean, the main, uh, the lead singer sounds a lot like the lead singer from the fall in Ott. Um, they sound very similar. Um, but he just, when it comes to the lyrical content of, of this song, it does a really great job of describing, of just sort of describing that. Like, I mean, there's even the lyric is, what is that sensation? What does that sign say? And it's just everyday, like just the monotony of everyday life is described really perfectly in this song. And it's just, and then especially because of the instrumentation of it just, it doesn't really build. It just kind of stays constant, but it gets Mm -hmm. louder and then it gets softer again. It sounds like it does a really tremendous job of capturing a feeling. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the best way to describe it. It really captures the feeling of of monotony, and 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 that's always interesting. I find yeah when when you find music and that it, and, and especially if you really love a song because it captures something that is so depressing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, earlier this year on on the sounding board, we talked about uh, a lot of ambient music, but in particular, um, why is it escaping me? Apex one? No, 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 no. We talked about. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I went. I went for the obvious. Uh, we talked about. Um, I've got it here somewhere. Uh, I'll continue talking about. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, oh, um, stars of the lid. Tired sounds. Tired sounds of stars of the lid. And that was a similar thing where mm-hmm. it was really slow and pretty yeah. repetitive. Mm-hmm. But man, if it didn't just capture an experience. Yeah, and just that. That was definitely that's. How I how I would see it, and more importantly about how even within that monotony, it just sort of mentions in the you know a big beautiful blue sky, and it mentions that like just also as well as just like but there's still this, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes you realize that not everything is is connected in a way to be completely disappointing all of the time. <laughs> yeah. So there's hope in in sort yeah. of the monotony, and that's so that's that's why that was song number three. I listened to that song also probably more. Than uh, for my own good, but that that was a really that was a really great song. I mean, when I, I mean, first heard it, I was just kind of like, "That is if it's one on of your the top best five. songs I've ever heard." Exactly. If it's on your top five, I, I would if it's hope top you did. Three. Yeah, yeah. Now we're getting into the real money. Now we're getting into the real money. Tell All me right. about number two. Number two. Um, so my top two songs are probably there because where they are because I, when I first heard them, I immediately went dot to pin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, there it is. That's 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 up there. That is either number one or number two or in the top five. Um, the other three actually kind of built up to the point to where they were. They kind of made their way there. These two, it was just you it just was knew it was, was immediate. And uh, at number two is Kendrick Lamar's "Blacker the Berry" from "To Pimp a Butterfly." What an incredible track! Like, actually, yeah. What an incredible track! And I mean, when it, it when this came out, when I first heard it, it came out in February. And considering all the things that have been happening with race relations in this country, especially since. Uh, 2012, I think, is when Trayvon Martin was killed, mm-hmm. and how that just kind of set everything off. And I'm pretty apolitical about a lot of the stuff, or at least I try to keep my politics to myself. But it was when I first heard "Blacker the Berry," it was the visceral feeling from that song, in combination with the political implications of it, felt perfect at the time in the sense it was just like this is the song that all of us need to hear right 
now. Yeah, it it's a hard thing to talk about as a white male. Absolutely. For for me to really kind of go into this because I've I've got my feelings on it, but I also have to know that these these are experiences I can never have. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that drew me to Kendrick to begin with, and the thing that he does so well on this track, is that he makes that experience accessible. And and the same way that Good Kid, Mad City gave me gave me a view into what his life was like growing up in Compton. This gave me a view into his side of the these this building tension. Yeah. And and he did it in a way that that I don't know, man. It just it 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 spoke really clearly. It was unapologetic. It was willing to to identify his flaws, mm-hmm. but also not willing to to accept blame that wasn't his. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I was blown away by this track. And fuck, I love it when Kendrick gets angry. Oh yeah. I love it. I when wish he... I wish it happened more often. Um, well, <laughs> then you must have loved the entire album because there was a lot of, of really good ang- angry tracks on that one. There was a lot of angry Kendrick on Tempo Butterfly. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I also, you know, it's, I tried to remain outside of this realm and kind of things. But I mean, it's, it's just it, that whole album, but especially that song seemed to encapsulate the anger in a way that wasn't in a news piece mm-hmm. and did it on an emotional level that, at the time, I needed to hear. Yeah, it, it was something. Least. It was something that 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 I, as a white male, didn't have a thorough understanding of. And sure. I think I think in a way but I, that music yeah. helped me help me get there. Exactly, and um, it's it. It was more, you know, it was more just it, and just like this, it, the social importance of it was was what really pushed it for me. But I mean, even more than that, as soon as that beat hits and he starts rapping. And the hook hits, and everything mm-hmm. about that song, like it just—it's—it's. It's, I think it's the strongest track on the album. And I would—I I would agree with you. I think it's the strongest track on a very excellent album in which there isn't a weak track, in my opinion. Um, so it's just it, so on a on a on the just the basis of of the song, it's amazing, and just the rest of it afterwards, just it really built on that, and uh, it—that's it, the reason it's at it's at number two. And it is at number two. It's at number two. Which means you have a number one. I have a number one that just kind of blew my mind when I first heard it. Okay. Tell uh, me about it. So number one is uh, Baroness's Chlorine and Wine, which is from their album Purple. Unfortunately, this single came out in uh, either October or November, and the album came out, let me check my calendar, yesterday. So I wasn't able to listen to all of the album until yesterday. And I can tell you it is a good album. However, when I first heard this song, um, just, you have to give the backstory to Baroness, and they say that that didn't completely contribute to the new album Purple, but it's still, that they even kind of still acknowledge that it's still psychologically there. For those of you that don't know who Baroness is, they are a sludge metal? Eh. They're a metal band from Savannah, Georgia. We'll go with that. Okay. We'll just, we'll just have the huge umbrella of metal and just say there's their metal band from Savannah, Georgia. Um, they got big because they make really excellent music, number one. And uh, two, they had a, a series of albums that came out that really, really put them in an echelon of really respected metal music makers. They uh, were touring, uh, like all metal, metal bands just seem to tour nonstop and never stop working. Um, 
it's it's kind of interesting how that and hip hop seem to be like the two genres of you can't stop working, you have to keep releasing music, you have to keep making mixtapes, you have to keep touring. But for whatever reason, they're both like that. And uh, most music is like that in general, but it especially feels like that about those two genres because yeah. with hip hop, it's about mixtapes and it's about, competition. It's about, it's about competition and it's about getting your name out there. And the same thing kind of goes with metal for getting your name out there. But instead of mixtapes, it's like it's cassette tapes, it's seven inch singles, it's flexi discs in Decibel magazine. It's <laughs> uh, like it's like it's 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 just this constant like you have to. And then more importantly for them, it's touring. Like metal bands seem to really pride themselves on having like what feels like a tour every six months <laughs> when they're not recording. So um, they so they were on one of their tours and they got in a massive bus accident. Um, mm-hmm. There, fortunately, was nobody who passed away, but everybody pretty much was severely injured. Not in a permanent way like anybody was put into a wheelchair or anything like that. Thank God. Knock on wood. Everything was fine in that regard. But there's a really just disturbing hands-on account by the lead singer, um, whose name escapes me, which makes me very sad at this moment. But he made a very personal and very frightening account of that butt scratch that... The one thing that I remember, because it freaked me out, was he talked about how when he woke up from the crash, he saw that his arm was pointing in a way that it shouldn't have been pointing, and so he grabbed it and forced it back into the direction mm. of where it needed to go. Oh. So, and it, of course, you know, there's also an image of him, like, post-surgery with just, and it was around the elbow, just mm. of a scar that basically starts somewhere in the mid part of the upper arm down to the forearm. Oh, wow. So you have to know this context when you're listening to, especially this song in particular, because the song Chlorine and Wine has a lot of lyrics in it where he mentions, like, a nurse bed. Uh, he mentions, uh, you know, like, laying his body down. And, I mean, these are, like, constant threads in Baroness's music in particular, But there are a lot of allusions to it where you're just kind of like, man, this was about recovering from basically one of the worst accidents that they've ever had in their entire life. And it's just, it's a, it, so I remember when I first heard it, I was just kind of jaw dropped, just kind of like slack mouth, just going, whoa, that was amazing. Um, And I've been constantly listening to it since, and it's been kind of my like get up and go song of just kind of like, no, 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 you're alive. Get up, get on with your life. Let's just, let's get Let's get let's get rolling. Okay, kind of that, that's interesting. Given yeah. that it is black metal, it's it's not black metal. It's oh, just metal. A metal. Um, yeah. Let's let's call it like. Oh, I mean, I've sorry. Heard, I, I I don't know. Here's the, the thing. Like with all, I hate all the metal genres. I know why they exist because metal is such a huge encompassing like umbrella. Because you know you can say that you like metal and that could mean anything from that you only like Iron Maiden or like you only like the big four like Metallica, Anthrax, uh, Slayer. And um, oh god, Megadeth. Or it could um, mean you like. Or it could mean that you like Bathory, and like that's the lightest thing that you listen to. Um, or <laughs> some electric or, wizard, or that you like, or or that you like electric wizard, which or and and Black Sabbath, and those are the only type of bands that you like. So it's very hard. They're more they're more kind of um, of the clean singing, like uh, I guess probably a little bit closer to. Although they're definitely not as like stonery, definitely closer to stuff like Uncle Last and the Deadbeats and something like that. They're they're considered sludge metal, I think. Okay. But the problem yeah, is, yeah. is that a lot of sludge metal is a lot harsher actually Heavier. than uh, than Baroness. But at the same time, like I would probably still call it sludge metal. 
if okay. I was forced to call them something. I've heard them called from everything from alt-metal rockers to just hard rock to sludge metal. To, so don't worry. It's murky. It's yeah. murky. It's murky, murky metal. To try. Yeah, it's murky metal. It's hard to describe. New genre, murky metal. Murky metal. Only member for now, Baroness. Yeah. We'll reclassify other bands as we yeah. see fit. So Okay. Sure. Uh, so, so that was my number one song was Chlorine and Wine. It's, let's run down the list, starting with five. So starting with five, it's Kurt Vile, Pretty Pimpin', off of Believe I'm Going Down. Number four, which is the harshest song, <laughs> is Sivage Yara's Burial Shrouds, which is the title track from their album, uh, which came out this year. Ott with Beautiful Blue Sky from Sun Coming Down. Number two is Kendrick Lamar's Blacker the Berry, which is uh, from Pimp to, to Pimp a Butterfly. And number one is Baroness, Chlorine and Wine from their album Purple. That's a pretty good list. I think it is a good list. That's a pretty good list. I'm not sure it's the same as my list. I don't think it's the same as a lot of people's list. But it's, it's a really, pretty good list. I, 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 I think I'm the only person at the station that would have included black metal, Kendrick Lamar, and uh, and Baroness. Like I think I'm, I think I'm the one person that Ooh. has that in his top five. Yeah. Okay. That is that is my uniqueness at the station. I think I am the one. <laughs> you, you are the variety guy. I, I, I. That's that is my job. I host a variety show, so I have to cover all my bases. All right, all right. So we've got one category left. Yes, we do. And this is the big one. This is the big one because this show is all about albums. Yes, it is. We and it should be. We yeah. We opinion. don't. We don't. We don't. We don't fuck with singles. Well, we do fuck with singles. We don't fuck with individual tracks unless they're singles. Unless we just did. Yeah. Unless we're talking about song of the year of two thousand fifteen, which is fair. Which is fair. Our thing is albums. Our thing is albums, which is good. I and, agree. I and, like that. And this last category is the top five albums of 2015. One more time, an ordered list. Mm-hmm. And, and starting with number five. Starting with number five, working our way to number one. Mm-hmm. What have you got? At number five, I have uh, probably my my actual favorite metal album of the year, which was not actually mentioned previously. Is uh. From a band from Salt Lake City, of all places, a metal band from Salt Lake City, called Visigoth. And the name of the album is The Revenant King. Visigoth's The Revenant King is a power metal album. Power metal is probably like Iron Maiden or anything like that that you've heard before, but it emphasizes on the sort of the the part of Iron Maiden that uh, is very sort of fantasy driven and, uh, and very like empowering sort of metal. Um, to give you and it really focuses on the fan and on the fantasy element. So we're talking, we're talking swords and dragons. We're talking swords and dragons. We're talking, we're talking swords and dragons. Obviously, the name of the album is the Revenant King. That is the opening so track. Ghosts, ghosts, swords and dragons. Ghosts, swords and dragons. And the the opening track named the Revenant King is in fact about an old king that gets betrayed and killed by an advisor, and then he comes back to life with his dead army, and then slays said. Uh, advisor. Advisor. Is the advisor a dragon? The advisor is unfortunately not a dragon. Damn it. Oh, so close. We were so close. Um, however, and here's the thing. You probably think, well, all of the other like subject matter that we've talked is, is pretty serious. Why would such a silly album be on here? And it's just kind of like, well, you know, the fantasy elements are done very well. So that's that's why I like it so much. And it's not supposed to be a well, sort let's of... Just... It's not supposed to be like a cultural touchstone let's... album like to... To pimp a butterfly or anything like that. Let's just own and it. Sometimes and, we like ghosts, and, and, and swords, sometimes, and dragons. And I, I do. I, I like God all sakes, of those things. I watch Game of Thrones all the damn time, and I'm super. I love Lord of the Rings. I love uh, just. I love playing video games that are based on said dragons. I, 
I enjoy Dungeons and Dragons, which is a perfect segue in the fact that the best song on this album is called Dungeon Master, and it has a tongue-in-cheek line that is, and I'm quoting here, take a chance, roll the dice. Uh-huh. Is this hell or paradise? Uh-huh. He's the Dungeon Master. Yep. So, so this album is... Is, is, is This is the thing. Like, with power metal, you have to... You, it is either so cheesy that you can't stomach it, because it takes itself too seriously when it shouldn't, or it's not cheesy enough, and it's like just and you have to ride that you have to ride the crest of that wave to perfection. And Visigoth the Red King does it perfectly. Awesome! It's awesome! Awesome! I, it is so awesome. I they need... also have a Manila Road cover that is, mwah, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best. It's so good. I think there should be more ghosts, swords, and dragons in music. I think that just in general, be a, uh, yeah. a more a more common set of themes. Yeah. That it shouldn't. I think people regulate it just to metal, and they're really missing out. I th- yeah, you know, they're really missing out. You know, imagine dragons. D- not no, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Let's not go there. Let's not imagine dragons. You ruined it. You ruined the moment. <laughs> Moving did. on, because the moment was ruined by the host. <laughs> number four. Number four is, uh, and we've talked about Big Beautiful Sky, so let's just go back to number four, which is Ot, Sun Coming Down. The rest of the record is also fantastic. Um, just a really solid record. I don't really know where I can just go on beyond that, especially since I talked about Big Beautiful Sky so much. Um, I'm sorry, Beautiful Blue Sky. Uh, it's it's a, it's just it's a fantastic record. Um, you know, Beautiful Blue Sky is this long, expansive track, but there's also a lot of really great, short punchy uh post-punk songs on there as well and all of the lyrics are fantastic so that's that is uh that is my my that is my that is my number four album which is sun coming down by ought awesome mm-hmm. i need to oh another album that i need to add to my list please do i mean do so they uh well, i meant the listening list the listening list maybe the the end of the year list just, but I would I would definitely look into it. Okay, um, cool. Another another album that I talked about quite a bit over the summer was a uh, Kurt Vile's "Believe I'm Going Down" at number three. Um, I Kurt Vile's lyrics are just very much uh, Reeves core. If there was ever such a genre, they they really do discuss life in a way that uh, that I really like. Um, and just uh, he makes tracks. This is going to be a shocker for everyone listening. That ramble. Yeah. They they rumble along. They're acoustic. They're electric. They're scuzzy. They're they're muddy. Then it just it keeps rolling and it keeps going. And it really is just it. It's a fantastic album. I mean, from Pretty Pimpin', which is the main track that I like, to I'm an Outlaw, which is another fantastic track on the record. Just all of it is really really fantastic. And they're all they all really struck a chord with me in that kind of way. And it's just it's it's a fantastically structured record. Um, it's uh, definitely one of the better vinyl albums that I own. It sounds great on vinyl, um, and uh, it's just a really really great record. And Pretty Pimpin' is probably the strongest track, but all of it from beginning to end is is brilliant. So that that is why it is at number three. Okay, mm-hmm. which leaves us with two more. Yeah. Uh, and these are conversations are a little shorter because I already talked about them a bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> for for mean, top five songs, we, so we we're have, kind of we've, speeding through this in comparison to the. We have somehow stuff. managed to take you telling me about your top your top uh, record, your top your yeah. top song, your top music news piece mm-hmm. 
for for six categories and stretch it into an hour and a half. So yeah. it's 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 okay, it's okay if we roll towards the if finish. If we roll now. towards the finish, um, number two uh, is this this record. Damn near my my favorite record of the year. The top two might as well be called a tie. Um, this album is ninety minutes long. Uh, it is a double album. It is a concept album from Titus Andronicus, and it's called The Most Lamentable Tragedy. This album, in, uh, in three words, is the tits. <laughs> this album is so good. Uh, this was, this album I felt got a lot of love when it was released, and then it kind of just drooped off, and I have no idea why. This album, from beginning to end, for all 90 minutes, and I'm not kidding, is amazing. It is. It, this was this was one of my favorite listening experiences. Listening to an album from beginning to end, because and a lot of people were just like, oh, "That's kind of drawn out." That's fine. You can think that, but for me, it was just it was amazing, and I love the base storyline of it. I uh, the lead singer Patrick is an amazing human being, an amazing performer, and seeing him live and performing these songs live is an amazing experience. Um, especially for how personal a lot of his lyrics are, because he certainly doesn't lead a perfect life. None of us really do. Um, he struggles with a lot of depression. Um, he uh, he famously has an eating disorder, and in one of his previous records, Local Business, he has a song that is literally called My Eating Disorder. Um, <laughs> he, it's just like he, and he does it, the way that he is able to personalize and make you feel what it's like to be uh, a manic depressive, basically, on this record is ju- it's it's super distilled and amazing. And the fact that he's able to do that uh, for 90 minutes uh, without really struggling and doing it seeming like, seemingly just relentlessly perfectly almost, to me, is why it's at number two. Like, that's it, it's and it's it really should be considered a tie for number one. Like I I love this record so very very much. Um, and it especially like helps in the sense of I don't consider myself a depressed person. Like I don't go to therapy and I don't think I need medication or anything like that. But you know, this was a record that when I do feel sad, I listen to in a therapeutic kind of way. Yeah. And okay. It's it's and it really like taps into to that aspect of. You know, thinking like, oh, "Am I really good enough or anything like that?" Like that's that's what this album is for, and it's and there are certain yeah. tracks on it that you can pull from it as kind of like singles. But listening to it from beginning to end is an amazing experience. So it, it works as a concept. It album works. Too. It works. It works as a concept album, and that's because it's it's loose enough to where you can just listen to individual songs on it and get the theme of the album. But it's just strong enough to where there's a strong enough theme to the album to where it never relents. Awesome. That sounds really great. So yeah, at 90 minute, I think technically 93, 93 minute long concept album. You're even supposed to take an intermission. Yeah. If and you listen if you listen to it on CD, there is actually a track called Intermission that I think I, you're supposed to take and then actually like pause the album and like get up and like walk around. And this is the album too that the uh, that it was it was three discs on vinyl. Three discs on vinyl which and, I own. And and the listening order is is what? 1A, 1B, 2A, 3A... So there are two LPs that are uh, 33 RPM and one that's yeah, 45. Yeah. And you're supposed to bounce around between, like, it's like 1A to 1B, and then it's like 3A to 2A to 2B 
back to 3B. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, there's like a manual weird, to help you listen to it. There's like an actual physical... Uh, it, it was released on Merge Records, so Merge has like this actual diagram. Oh, like not so written, good. Not written instructions, but a diagram of with how you're arrows. supposed with arrows of how you're yep. supposed to follow the yep. record. Oh, and it looks like it was just sketched. It was. It's great. I love it. Probably by the lead singer Patrick. Yeah, he was probably like, "All right, people are going to want to know here's how to do how this. You, here's so how this, you do uh, that. This is um, what's going on." Yeah. So that's why that was at number two. Um, it's just it's an amazing record, and I and I like records that make you feel. Um, like a feeling like depression and stuff like that, like depressed or mm-hmm. or angry or something like that. Like I like records that make you that feel, pull you in, that pull you in like that and make you feel that emotion. Yeah, and so you can kind of healthfully get it out of the get it out yeah, of your system for sure. Okay, and then and kind of go back to sort of the normal. And that's not like saying that I don't like happy music. Mm-hmm. No, no, that that makes a lot of Chemical sense. Brothers like, record this year is a very happy album. That's amazing. I love that record too. But. <laughs> but um, but it's that's not number not one. Your number one. It's not number one. What is? All right. So number one best album of 2015 is "To Pimp a Butterfly" by Kendrick Lamar. This album was was so awaited. Like the buzz around this in in the run up to it was huge, and it was because of the first two singles that were released, um, which were "I" and. Uh, and then people thought when he released I, it's just like, oh, he's going to be making a dance party album. This was this was like an <laughs> like emotional. I remember, I remember like when I came out, I was just like, oh, he's going to make he's going to make a really up tempo record, well, and that's going to be a lot of fun. For for me, it bounced around right because he did the untitled track on um, was it Letterman Colbert Report on the Colbert Report. He did the untitled track, which was awesome. Yeah, it was so good, and I was like, holy shit, Kendrick is getting intense. All of his performances have been super weird. He just did the performance of um of of no, he did the performance of I with the blacked out contacts and yeah. like the uh the the super like drugged out mannerisms. Like he was clearly clearly had been listening to some ODB. Right? <laughs> right? So he was bouncing around between yeah. this super intense thing and this like kind of dancey party thing, yeah, and and no one really knew what, what this album was going to be. Yeah, so the hype the hype before it was was unreal, um, and I think it also doesn't help that Kendrick is kind of the ultimate crossover artist of our age. Like, there's always kind of like an artist where critics love him, hipsters love him, but also the general populace like loves him, and Kendrick yeah. is the closest thing that we have to that kind of crossover artists, I think, in this day and age. Of I, being popular across all levels. I, more I think, or less. Uh, like, yeah. outside of, like, you know, the people that would never like hip-hop, even if you played them a great hip-hop record. Like, yeah, the people yeah, who yeah. just aren't open to it. Like, so, it wouldn't So, happen. I think, I think, um, I think you're right in, in the way that he appeals to the, the popular sector, and to the, uh, to the, and this is something I learned earlier this year, because I was like, Kendrick is the name. But what I didn't realize is in terms of just, like, searches and, and how much buzz they get in general, like, it, outside of the, the hip-hop communities and the critical communities, Drake is yeah. tremendously more popular than him. So I, like, I went into this being like, well, I didn't really like... I don't really like most mm-hmm. of what Drake does. I think but... Drake is definitely... I think Drake is, is more popular than Kendrick. I don't think there's really anything you could... I mean, if you look at just the metrics of it, of how many like listens on Spotify, how many albums they sell, like the Drake. Google search metrics, yeah, like, Google Drake, search metrics. Drake is the is the name. Drake. But if you look at it in the critical communities, all of the memes are also made with with Drake. I noticed that as well. That's true. 
a lot of why I mean, you know, Hotline Bling has basically just turned into its own internet <laughs> meme on its own, which I think is is great, I guess. But it's it's but you know, just just back to Kendrick, but like but Kendrick is the closest that we'll we'll get to We'll that. get to the the true crossover artist. The true crossover artist. Right, who like who who has that popular following mm-hmm. but also has the critical following and yeah. also has the communities. Sure. And and, and so has... just just the optics of it and stuff like that. I mean for God, for God's sakes uh, how much a dollar cost is Barack Obama's favorite song of the year? Apparently, yep, yep, yep. He's on record saying that Barack Obama, President of the United States of the of America, the President, the President. He his loved, favorite song. He loves him some Kendrick. Is Kendrick Lamar, and his you know, wife is uh, is Uptown Funk. It's Uptown Funk. Yeah. So also a really good song. Also a really good song. But uh, like if if. If that's how like much of a crossover it is, and and not only that, I mean, it's his lyrics are being sung in protests. People are singing "All Right" like as they're marching for Black Lives Matters and stuff like that. Like if it's if it is this much of a cultural touchstone, and the musical content and the is... lyrical content and just the production, if everything across the board like that, it that is what pushes it over for me. Of just like, well, this has to be album and here. makes it yeah the like, one. It has to be. It has to be the one because I, there's. I don't think, even in, at least in my, like, memorable lifetime, so we'll just put a number of, let's see, like, I can start remembering listening to music on, like, my own accord at, like, like 11 or 13, like, 11 or 13 years old. For me, like, I don't know if there's a more important album that's been released in my lifetime in terms of To Pimp a Butterfly, like, more important culturally and, and popularly and anything like that. Like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's, I don't know if, like, I mean, if I compare To Pimp a Butterfly with the other top records of the past five or ten years, I don't know if there's one this important in that mm-hmm. way. And, uh, I, and I, and, but more importantly, the, just the music is, is amazing on the record. It's just, it's everything from beginning to end. Like, the fact that it's able to open with, like, Wesley's Theory and go into King Kunta after basically having a free jazz scat in the middle of it <laughs> for two minutes, and then and then go like right back into just all the all these different styles and still and be a, a modern hip hop st- album and still be a modern hip hop album is just it's insane. Like I, it's it's hard to fathom all of that. And I mean, we just watched the music video before we started recording. The fact that, you know, he's also hitting the quan with Terry Crews in his most recent music video for These Walls. Like, it's just kind of like... he. So it's funny. It's profound. It's... Uh, it's... It's a, it's just... You can dance to it. You can, like, it's, It covers everything. And I just... I don't know where you can just stop praising the album in that way. Like, it's just... It's too important. Yeah, in my in my mind. Yeah, yeah. So like all the other ones have like a lot of personal effect, and also "To Pimp a Butterfly" also has a lot of personal stuff in there that resonates with me personally. But just like just the fact that it's that has that amount of importance to it, it just it feels like it can't be ignored as an album. But here's my question. Yeah. When the fuck is the vinyl release? Uh, hopefully soon. I know Good Kid, Mad City is on vinyl. Oh, I have, I have that. Oh yeah, yeah. That came out, that came out like day and date. But when the fuck is the Tapimba Butterfly vinyl release? What happened there? Like what? Did, mm, It'll happen. Mm, Patience. I want to believe. No, it, it's got, it's got to. It has to. That's just, that's just leaving money on the table, which does not happen in in a lot of in, in the, a lot in, in the music, music industry. And in, in the music, in, you do not. You, well, okay. 
you do if you're a huge record company. Sometimes you do make decisions that are made out of hubris <laughs> that does actually eventually leave money on the table. But for stuff like this that can just be like hard sales of like vinyl that you can charge like fifteen, twenty dollars a pop and make a you lot could of money. Probably you're not, charge they're not, thirty. Yeah, they're not they're not gonna leave this money on the table. Not at Top Dog Entertainment, not Kendrick. <laughs> All right, so he won't let that happen. So I, I would be, I would say patience is a virtue. Uh, you, you kind of hope it would happen before Christmas, though. I kind of so hoped it would happen it, when the so album came of, out. Yeah, so you could just you could put that under the Christmas tree, wrapped up a little yeah, bit for your kids. Yeah, yeah. They could just open it yeah, up. Yeah, my kids have been listening to, to Pimp a Butterfly since they were right? born. Mm-hmm. It's also a children's <laughs> record. <laughs> Children's album of the year yeah, to Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Because <laughs> you'd have to explain what Pimp meant to us. Oh, God. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, uh, man. All right. Count me down. Count you down? Count so, me down. Okay. The final countdown for the... By the way, I'm mentioning this now so you had to listen to us ramble about it. Uh, my top ten is available on the uh, the KXP blog, uh, blog.kxp.org. You can also look at all the other DJs. Top ten, which is super great, especially the uh, the specialty DJs that do specialty shows, like our uh, like our punk DJs at Sonic Reducer. There are three of them, so you get three different top tens of the best punk releases from this year, according to them. Uh, there's Metal from Seek and Destroy. I also DJ assist for Seek and Destroy, so and you could hear it in my countdown as well that I really like Metal. Um, so there's so he has that specialty show, and there's uh, there's uh, world pop music, so Wo Pop. There's just uh, there's Latin sounds with El Sonido. And then Roadhouse, which is just uh, roots and blues music. Preaching the blues, which is just blues. Um, uh, Swinging doors, which is our our, our country specialty uh, show. So you get all of these DJs with all these different specialty shows, and you get to see their top ten on the blog. So uh, you can see mine up there, but you can also see a bunch of different musical resources to discover a lot of great stuff. Um, and they're probably going to be releasing the. Uh, to tease you a little bit, the whole staff at KEXP, oh, which then yes. opens it up, which then opens it up a lot more. The uh, uh, the most challenging list to make, yes, because that includes that also includes like interns and stuff like that and volunteers, and so that's like a pool of hundreds of people. So if people found time to make those top ten as well, it would be a great resource. So if you want to see a bunch of other end of the year content from KEXP, it covers a lot of bases, and you can probably find a lot of stuff that you would like there. And that is at blog. Dot .kexp.org Awesome. Awesome. I should probably visit that website real soon. It should, right. it should join it should join at least Pitchfork as your like go-to place <laughs> for music, especially if you live in Seattle. It should be like your go-to place for music news. All right. So, all right, let's do it. Count me down. 5 to 1. 5 to 1. Number 5, Visigoth, The Revenant King. Uh, Ott with Sun Coming Down at number 4. Number 3 is Kurt Vile, Believe I'm Going Down. Number 2 is Titus Andronicus with The Most Lamentable Tragedy. And number 1... With a bullet. Top 5 of 2015. Number 1 is Kendrick Lamar's Number Butterfly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. We were supposed to, like, grab lunch. Yeah. And it's 3.30 now. Yeah. Let me go eat food. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's go get some food. Let's go get some food. All right. Uh, this best is... best food of 2015 is going to be at. Uh, we don't know. We're I have to choose as soon as we're done. Mm, this is going to be tricky. Yeah. All right. This is the sounding board. This is the end of the year. I'm Josh Mitline. This is KEXP employee <laughs> and DJ and DJ Reeves Richards. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I wasted so much time. <laughs> I wasted so much of your time. It's an hour and forty minutes long. That's insane.